Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome to High Stakes Episode 31. I'm your host, Neil Orfield. You can find me on Twitter at PlayerQDFS. High Stakes is produced by Mike Lawrence. You can find him on Twitter at AwesomeYo. And today I am happy to be joined with one of the greatest DFS players of all time. Uh, more recently, he's been getting really into sports betting as well and absolutely crushing that. And of course, he is the director of analytics at Stochastic. However, this is my first time actually meeting Sean John. We, we've talked a little bit in DMs, uh, but this is our first time actually meeting face to face. So I'm excited to be talking with you today. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Neil. Nice to be here. By the way, my name is pronounced Sean John. Sean John is the, that's the P. Diddy clothing brand. So, you know, <laughs> all right. It's a little bit different. <laughs> Sean Zahn. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, I, that's always why I'm thrown off by that. Okay. Sean Zahn. Uh, Sean, uh, let me, let me start passing. Uh, Mike, producer Mike threw out that I should start asking some questions about like favorite sports teams, favorite athletes. I'll start by asking, uh, where are you from slash where do you live? Uh, I'm from Chicago. I grew up in the suburbs and I still live here now. Okay. Well then, uh, d- does that lead to your favorite sports team being Chicago teams or are you, uh, not, not impressed by the Chicago teams? Um, well, nowadays I'm not a huge fan of any of the teams, but, uh, definitely Cubs growing up. And then, um, you know, up until the world series win, that was definitely a, a bucket list item for me to see, but, you know, like after they win, you kind of lose a little bit of the, the passion. It's like, it's never going to be as good as when we beat uh, Cleveland that year. So, um, yeah. So you're not really, you're not really a fan of any of the, are you a fan of any team at all or any athlete? Do you have like a favorite athlete? Um, not really. No. I mean, I like Tiger Woods. Uh, I like golf in general, but I'm not, I'm not really like a huge fan of any specific athletes, mainly just, uh, whoever I'm, uh, wagering on. (laughs) 
yeah, I'm, I'm largely the same. I'm of course a fan of Minnesota sports teams as well, but usually the money plays a big factor on who I'm cheering for any given night. Um, yeah, that, uh, so you're not a fan of the Chicago teams. Uh, all right. I thought maybe. So, oh yeah, here's the question that I was that I had on the tip of my tongue. Uh, do you have an opinion on who the goat is in NBA? I mean, there's there's no right answer. It's it's really just um, who do you like the most among like a few of the select guys. And for me, that's gonna it's got to be Kobe. Um, it's not really like a statistical thing, but he was just a G. You know, All like right. the way he carried himself, his mentality. Everything about him is just like, he acts like the GOAT, whether or not the stats back it up. All right, that's fair. I wasn't expecting Kobe. I was thinking it was going to come down to MJ or LeBron, but uh, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who would agree with you on Kobe as well. Definitely one of the greats. Um, I mean, if you want like a purely basketball answer, I might go like LeBron. Okay, yeah. But you're saying like your your personal preference is Kobe. Uh, okay. Uh, I want to talk about uh, your background just a little bit. Uh, this is usually how I start asking people about their background just to get a feel for the type of DFS player you are. I think uh, being the director of analytics at Stochastic, I think we probably have a good idea of you know your your type of background. Uh, but let's talk about it a little bit. What, what kind of background do you have in statistics? Do you have any formal or informal training? Um, so I majored in applied math in college, uh, but I would say I learned most of my statistics just on the job. Uh, just learning and solving various problems in TFS. Interesting. But, but you were, a, you were a uh, advanced math major, you say, so applied math, applied yeah. math. Okay. So you, you've got a pretty good background there. Um, but then you learn a lot of it on the job as well. Makes sense. Uh, what about computer programming? Do you have any formal or informal training in computer programming? Um, so I had a minor in computer science and I, I did work, um, as a programmer for a few years out of college. So, uh, I mainly did C sharp and SQL at the corporate level, but then for DFS, I learned a lot of Python and R on my own. Okay. And, uh, and when did you, if you don't mind me asking, when did you graduate college? Like what's the timeline here for when you were, uh, working in computer programming and when you kind of started getting into DFS? Um, I graduated college in 2012 and then I worked at uh, JP Morgan for around three years or so. And, um, the last year of which is when I first found out about DraftKings. And then around a year after that, I quit and started doing this full time. Really? So, so you, you learn about D DraftKings in like 2015 or so. Yeah. Uh, and, and within a year of learning about DraftKings, starting to play DFS, you quit uh, what sounds like a pretty steady job to do DFS full time. Yeah, basically it was like a year and a half or so. Um, I mean, it was basically like a risk reward thing. Uh, at a certain point, I felt like, there was just more potential to pursue this. And, you know, I could always just get another desk job at, at any point really like, so decided to give it a shot. So, okay. So then were, were you a winning player right away? Um, so around when I, when I first started, I found out about DraftKings maybe like two months before the beginning of the uh, 2015 or 2016 NBA season. And when I first found out about it, I was like, this is awesome. This is like, everything I love to do. You know, I like problem solving, I like fantasy sports, I like uh, trying to make money, you know? So uh, I spent a few months, I think, just tr trying to do my my best coming up with a really crappy model at the time. It was just like taking averages, you know, whatever, you know? Um, but when I first started, 
it was a little bit up and down for the first few months. Uh, I started with like a $600 deposit on DraftKings. And then, you know, I ran it up to like 5,000, but, you know, I, I knew like no bankroll management whatsoever. So I almost like went broke a few times. Um, so that was like a pretty rocky first two, two, three months. But then around the second half of my first NBA season, it started uh, pretty steadily trending up and uh, I had a decent uh, finish that year. I think I made around like 20,000 my first year, uh, first NBA season. So yeah, that's how I got started. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you if you started. So you just started with just a $600 deposit. So not really high volume right away. It sounds like you're ramped up over time. So let me ask you this and you, you might not remember, but do you know if you had to deposit again before you first withdrew money from DraftKings? No, you did not have to, or you don't know. I, I didn't have to. Okay. So you just, you were pretty successful right away. If you were not, if you were able to turn $600 into more money without having to, uh, deposit more money that's definitely better than most going in yeah i mean it wasn't so much that i was great at it um i think the competition was much weaker back then uh there weren't a lot of the tools available now a lot of the the general knowledge that's out there now so um yeah and i'm sure part of that is luck as well um but uh yeah um, I, I feel fortunate for uh, how that first season went for sure I mean, you, you might've been great at it in the way that like George Mikan was great at basketball. Like he was great for the competition level at the time, maybe yeah. not as great as, uh, as the competition is now, but obviously your uh, abilities have risen with the, with the field. You've been crushing it now for many years across many different sports, uh, MLB, NFL, uh, NBA, which my understanding is you are no longer playing NBA DFS, uh, as you've moved on to sports betting. Is that correct? Um, yeah, not not like to move on to sports betting necessarily, but I still play like other sports. Uh, but uh, I've been just taking a break from NBA DFS in particular, just because it's so time consuming. Yeah, especially with late scratch and everything. So um, I'm just uh, sort of at a point where, I mean, in my mid twenties, I was definitely down to just grind twenty four seven every day of the week. But um, I'm trying to just have a little bit more balance in my life nowadays. Yep, that makes sense. So, so it is. You're calling it a break, at least. You're not planning on being done with NBA DFS forever, necessarily. Not necessarily, but don't have plans to really get back into it for the moment. Yeah, and with the success you've had with MLB, NFL uh, these seasons, I guess it's you, you can afford to take a break from NBA uh, because, as I recall, this summer you were absolutely destroying MLB and definitely seen you at the top of some leaderboards in NFL as well. So well-deserved break from from DFS uh, during NBA season. Um, I did want to talk about how you got involved with Stochastic. Of course, you started when it, the company was still called uh, Awesomeo. Uh, but let me just uh, just tell me about that. How, how did you get involved at Stochastic slash Awesomeo? Um, so like I met Alex, like maybe, uh, five, six years back at a DraftKings final in Colorado. Um, and also hung out with him like multiple times at these various finals afterwards as well. So, uh, we became friends, especially after, uh, we found out that we were, we lived pretty close to each other in Chicago. So, um, and then through him, I also met two of the other co-founders, Eddie Lai and Tom Kennedy. And, um, so, so when Stochastic, or I guess Osmo first started up at the time, um, they had reached out and asked me to uh, come on board. But at the time, I was more focused on my own work. Uh, so I, I passed on it. But then um, I guess like around 2020, when uh, when Rudy Gobert, or I mean, I guess COVID shut down the NBA and then all the other sports followed, uh, you know, I was getting kind of bored of grinding like League of Legends 
watching these, uh, you know, video gamers at 4 a.m. every day and KBO and all that. So I uh, decided to just reach out to Alex again, see if uh, he needed any help. And, you know, luckily he did. And uh, yeah, so that's when I started. So I didn't realize you were, you were so new to the company. So 2020, uh, you're, I mean, relatively new. I feel like you've been with the company for almost as long as I've known about the company, I guess. So, uh, so some time with the company. Um, so you are now, you've worked your way up from then, or maybe you started, you're the director of analytics at Stochastic. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what your job entails, the kind of stuff that you do for Stochastic? Um, yeah, so... Basically, I work on anything that's related to the DFS or sports betting models. So, uh, I mean, that involves just thinking of what types of data the users would want, improving the accuracy of our existing models, um, setting up, you know, data tracking for performance measurements, uh, updating our projections, automating stuff. Uh, it More or less, it's like a lot of the things that I was basically doing on my own before anyways, but uh, just with a, a little bit more of a lean towards being like user oriented. Okay. Uh, have you reached a point now with these stochastic projections that you don't have to do a lot of maintenance or do they remain a work in progress? So uh, def like s since I've like joined, it's been a pretty big priority of mine to just like automate stuff. Um, a lot of that is just, um, kind of helping us have more time to focus on actually making improvements and uh, working on new stuff as opposed to just like maintaining things. Um, however, there's there's always like more work to be done. Like it's not, you know, fully hands off. Although like MLB in particular, I'm pretty excited about because uh, I think we're at a point where coming up with this, uh, this next upcoming season, we're gonna be close to like 100% automated. Uh, maybe like a few minutes of setup in the morning, but other than that, just like uh, pretty close to hands-free. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it sounds like that'll be a pretty big burden lifted from you. Uh, when, when I first started using the awesome tools and projections, I had the impression that it was Alex just updating everything on his own. So I just thought it was just like Alex always focused, you know, right at his computer at all times, updating projections as news comes out. Uh, I suppose you probably don't know if maybe, maybe that was true at one point before, before you came on. Uh, but, uh, certainly not the case now. How, how long have you been involved with the projections team? Um, well, I mean, since I joined 2020, oh. um, so yeah, like I'm, I'm sure that I would have to ask him, but I'm sure that he was doing like everything, uh, for, for a while. Um, I don't know how he managed that with like all these different scores and he was managing like WNBA minutes and, all this crazy stuff. I have literally no clue how he managed his lifestyle, but yeah. you know, he's a, he's a robot, he's a machine, he made it work. Um, but luckily now we have a, you know, a much larger team, including uh, myself, Alex, uh, Steve Buzzard, uh, and then Lee and Rich who are, who are both, uh, you know, experts in various areas that have joined on recently. So we kind of spread the load a little bit more nowadays. Yeah, it's definitely, I feel better about it, knowing that there's more people involved. I mean, obviously, Alex is, as you said, he's a robot, so he can pretty much do everything on his own. But, you know, you always worry about like, well, what if his computer crashes or, you know, just it's a little bit, I feel a little bit safer knowing that we have a number of people uh, doing the projections, working on the projections on any given day. Is it kind of like a rotational thing? Like, are there days where you're the guy updating the projection and days where it's Steve and so on and so on? Yeah, well, we have a, a rotation that's... um 
been pretty fluid uh, throughout the months and years as we brought on new people and the seasons change, but we basically just come up with something that uh, is, a, is a pretty, uh, pretty even balance between us. Nice. Uh, do you think that, do you ever feel like it hinders your DFS play to update projections on the site? For example, when you were playing NBA DFS, when there's late breaking news for an NBA slate and you need to update all the projections, but you know, the same kind of things happen occasionally in, in NFL and MLB as well. Do you ever feel like it does hinder your DFS play? Um, in the beginning, maybe like slightly, uh, as I was kind of getting used to like how to, you know, operate the models and things like that. But uh, after a while, like I just got pretty fast with it and, um, you know, automated some of the stuff. And then, you know, my own processes are like heavily automated as well. So I uh, haven't run into much issues with that. Okay. And do you ever question your decision to give up some of your edge by sharing your knowledge with the public through your work on the projections and tools? Um, that was definitely something I, I thought about like before joining, but um, I think my perspective now, like, I feel like given the level of experience of our team, the combined experience and all the resources uh, we have here, like there's so much value that we can provide um, without giving up like every last bit of edge that we have as well. Right. There's, there's a middle ground there. And then that's what we're, uh, you know, trying to do. And, and especially like with sports betting, I think it's, it's more of like a, us versus the books mentality. It's not like, you know, me versus you. Right. right. So, um, for, so for that, there's definitely, uh, you know, it's a lot easier on, on that front. Yeah. And I, I suppose you don't want to say it, but also you feel better about giving up some of your edge now that you've had success, uh, since you've been doing the tools and stuff like you continue to absolutely crush. So you don't have to worry as much about, am I giving up too much of my edge? Cause you're still doing great at DFS as well. Uh, so maybe not as big of a concern. Um, so yeah, you, you mentioned sports betting and that seems to be something that you are working on more and more. Um, I know that you've been involved in many of our sports betting tools. Uh, NBA bet pro of course has been, uh, something that I can't use, uh, like uh, to the same extent that a lot of people can, cause I can't sports bet in Minnesota yet still obviously valuable for things, uh, like, you know, prize picks, no advantage. It's still, uh, available for those things as well. But, um, can you, can you tell me a little bit about, uh, some of the tools that you've worked on related to sports betting? Um, so yeah, the two main ones right now, like our, uh, our odd shopper premium product, which is, uh, that's more of like a, a market-based algorithm that we used for our predictions. Um, essentially we, we take like, uh, the, the sharpest books based on our data. And we use that as a source to uh, determine which of the weaker books have a bad line compared to them. Um, and so like that, like the main value there is that like you can basically come up with projections for like every single market, because as long as like these sharp books have lines, you can come up with a projection. Um, but then uh, the other thing that I've been working on a lot is Bet Pro, which is, uh, ROI predictions and, and betting advice coming, sourcing directly from our models. So um, the main difference there is like, we can't make uh, that pro for every single, you know, market. We can't like spend all of our time trying to predict, you know, like uh, women's lacrosse or something, right? But um, for, especially for the sports that we already have like a, a pretty solid foundation for DFS, you know, it's a pretty natural transition for us to be able to uh, sort of convert a lot of our experience projecting DFS 
uh, fantasy points and things. And then, um, you know, just building on that to create uh, prop predictions and, and things like that. It's pretty natural evolution, I would say. Absolutely. So I, I have NBA bet pro pulled up right now and, and Mike, I did not ask you to do this uh, ahead of the show. So I'm not sure if, if you're going to be able to, but uh, maybe if you're able to, we could add in, you know, pulling up bet pro uh, as we talk about it just a little bit, but if not, no big deal, Sean and I can just talk about it. Um, but I'm just, I'm looking at it right now. So I'm uh, we've got several tabs on bet pro starting with the best bets tab. And then we've got, looks like a bunch of different sports books available uh, and you can see different bets for each one, but the best bets, my understanding is this tab is just the bets, best bets across all books. So like our top bet right now is LeBron James taking the under on 8.5 assists. Looks like that is on the uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. Am I understanding this right? That the best bets tab is just every single book, like you're comparing all of them and uh, finding the best bets across those books, the best lines? Yeah, it's essentially just taking the best line for a given bet. Um, so this is more geared towards like a, a user that might have like accounts of like five or six different books. And, uh, you know, they're really cognizant of uh, getting the edge from just getting the best line available for whatever the bet is. Um, you know, like you mentioned the LeBron one, like that one is highlighted. We added a lot of uh, conditional formatting this, this season. So that's, um, that's basically saying that the orange border is saying that he's uh, questionable today, which, I mean, he's like questionable every day. So that's, you know, but um, I, I don't know if you still have it pulled up, but we have like other formatting, like the, the light yellow means that, you know, a teammate is questionable and, uh, you know, red means that uh, a teammate that's responsible for a lot of production is questionable. So um, these are all things that like, basically this tool is like, we didn't even necessarily make it for the user. Like we made it for ourselves, like within our team of like experts, like this is how we want to bet. This is information that we want to know. And, um, you know, so it all really spawned from that. And so like, for example, that type of information is uh, extremely useful because you don't necessarily want to bet, uh, you know, an over when like, or an under when you have like a star player on the team injured, right? So um, just things like that. And, you know, we're constantly working to improve it, but, um, you know, I'm pretty happy with, with where it's at right now. Yeah, I mean, it lo looks great. I'm looking at it right now. And Mike does tell me that he's going to be able to add uh, in post-production. He'll be able to pull up this page so people can look at it as we talk about. So what I'm seeing right now, and of course, these these bets could change by the time Mike is doing post-production, but I'm seeing like Spencer Dinwiddie has that light yellow that you were talking about. Patrick Beverly has the red highlight, which makes sense because LeBron James is questionable. He's a teammate responsible for a lot of the production. Um, but here's a question. So we've got a Spencer Dinwiddie with light yellow and then a couple below that that's so so that's an assist prop a couple below that we've got spencer dinwiddie with a little bit darker yellow uh for a rebounds prop is that related to like how much of the workload his teammate has for that specific category yeah exactly um if you scroll a little bit to the top um the legend tells you exactly it's like the lightest yellow is like five percent of the production and then uh dark red is 25 percent so um, it's basically just saying like, if it's light yellow, you might, uh, you might be able to place a bet anyways. Um, but it's just worth looking into either way, right. To, to the specific context. Okay. Yeah. That's uh that's very helpful looking at that legend there. Um, I did have one more question I wanted to ask, which is, uh, so, so one thing that I always have concerns with, with, uh, sports betting content is like, it can go stale, like, right. Uh, if LeBron is ruled out, 
in five minutes, obviously we're going to take this, this LeBron assist prop isn't going to matter anymore, but then also every other line for that game uh, is going to be affected. How many times per day is this updated? So the underlying projection sources are DFS projections. So, um, you know, every time the DFS projections are updated and we've also made it a point to, to start uh, updating more and being more accurate throughout the day because, uh, you know, for DFS, it's like, it's not a huge deal, especially for like the, the random end of the bench guys will never make your lineups if we're, you know, a little bit off like at six hours before lock, right? As long as it's like uh, refined uh, within an hour. But with, with sports betting, you know, we're, we're becoming more cognizant that this has to be like more of like an all day thing. And, um, you know, we definitely uh, have, have, you know, updates every time there's an injury, no matter when it is. And then the other part of it is the uh, the odds coming from the books. So that's automatically being refreshed every two to three minutes, I would say. So, uh, you know, in a perfect world, this would all be real time. And we're working on increasing the speed of data and everything like that. Uh, but, you know, even right now, I would say it's pretty fast. Yeah, that's, that seems good enough. I mean, every two to three minutes is pretty damn rapid and then also if it's updating every time you update the projections i mean i as somebody who relies on the projections i can tell you the projections are updated really fast especially relative to like three years ago when i started at stochastic sometimes it would be like we get major news and it'd be 20 minutes and i'd be like where why is this not updated yet now it feels like it's like usually within a couple minutes sometimes it can be you know a little bit longer depending on the type of news how long we have before lock etc cetera, etc cetera. but definitely uh pretty fast with the projections update so that is definitely good to hear that uh that the projections are updating along with the dfs projections and yeah certainly obviously the sports books that part's part something we can't really control how often they change props uh take a prop down change a line etc cetera, etc cetera. but you know every Two to three minutes seems pretty good to me. Uh, I did have one, one follow-up question actually that that Mike had sent me, uh, which is: do, do you believe that DFS and prop betting prop betting help to inform each other? Like, do you think it's useful to work on both, like to to know the prop betting lines when doing DFS and vice versa? Um, yeah, I mean they're very, very, very similar. Um, I mean, a, a DFS projection is just a combination of various props. Um, so at the end of the day, it's not that different um it's just uh when you get down to the prop level you just have to have a higher level of precision you know you have to be able to project every little thing uh that much more perfect in order to be able to beat the books so uh yeah i mean for for sure like you know as an example when we uh create our own projections for dfs we refer to the props as well you know um especially the sharper markets like pinnacle uh and uh you know when, when we see a, a large variance, that's that's an indicator for us to look into it more closely. Sometimes we'll we'll stick with our guns and uh, you know we'll we'll just say that uh, you know we have a reason to believe why our projection is the way it is. But other times that's that's just an indicator for us to say like oh maybe we need to update the minutes or maybe we need to uh, you know come up with a, a rate override for for a new situation that this player has been in that for the past couple of games that maybe uh, like our, our overall statistical algorithm isn't uh, capturing. So um, yeah, it's definitely a very, very useful data point. Let me take a minute away from this conversation with Sean Zahn to tell you about one of the tools we've been talking about in this episode, NBA Bet Pro. 
Stochastic's top-ranked DFS pros have made millions of dollars in daily fantasy contests using Stochastic's NBA DFS player projections. Now users can have direct access to the same NBA player stat projections that drive our winning DFS player point projection models. With this data, users can apply advanced sports analytics to player prop bets and get an edge on the sports books. These NBA projections are directly managed by Stochastic's team of established experts, including Alex Baker, Steve Buzzard, and today's guest, Sean Zahn. For a limited time, you can get a seven-day free trial of BetPro for new users. Then it's $15.95 per week or $55.95 per month. Check it out. So one column that I see here in BetPro that I wanted to ask you about is S-Bet percentage. Can you tell me a little bit about what that means, what it involves, uh, what is S-Bet percentage column? Um, it's it's basically a version of Kelly Criterion um, that we've refined a little bit. Um, and essentially what Kelly Criterion is, is it's, it's telling you what percentage of your bankroll that you should bet on a given bet based on its chances of winning and the odds that the books give. Um, and that, that's very important because um, like, let's say you have like a bet where you have a hundred percent chance to win and there's a 5% EV. You could bet your entire life savings and your house on it, right? Because you know you can get that 5% EV. However, if it's like a, you know, a thousand percent EV, but you have like a 0.01% chance of winning, even though the EV is way higher, you can't really bet as much, right? And it's not intuitive exactly what that amount is. So this formula basically helps us quantify the, the optimal amount. Okay. So uh, let me just make sure that I understand. So let's say, you know, I, I've heard that to be a pro in DFS, you need to have, I've heard anywhere from like a hundred thousand to $200,000 bankroll going in to be a pro. If you're going to be playing all the, all the uh, 150 lineups, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to be a pro in DFS, I would imagine in sports betting, you need to have a pretty good bankroll as well. Uh, but just when, when you say 10% of your, so this LeBron James one, 10.2% is the S bet percentage. Would that be, so if you say your bankroll is a hundred thousand, does that really mean 10% of that hundred thousand? Or does that mean like based on your bankroll for a given day? Um, I mean, there's, there's no concept of like a bankroll for a given day here. It's just your overall bankroll. Um, and also I would challenge the notion that you need a large bankroll to make money in sports betting. Like this is something, if anything, it's easier at a smaller bankroll because you like, you're, you're not going to run into limits as fast. Um, and this is all like a percentage based game, right? Like if you start with like even like a hundred bucks and, and you can make like 5% a day, like you're going to be at like a thousand, 10,000 in no time at all right so i wouldn't say the limiting factor is your bankroll the limiting factor is like your process basically right yeah so i i guess uh what i'm saying is i think that i've heard people say like if you're gonna like quit your job and do it professionally in in dfs you need to have a certain amount of bankroll of course this is all that's all just like people's opinions on twitter i'm not trying to say that that's a you know a rule that people should necessarily follow just trying to get a concept of what you mean by 10 percent of your bankroll so you you do mean 10 percent of like your overall bankroll for sports betting like 10 percent would be fine on this lebron james uh under 8.5 just, just what you've decided to set aside for this specific purpose. Okay. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, 
but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Yeah, all right. So that seems like a relatively large bet. Uh, looks like it's a pretty good 12% EV. Nice bet there. Um, all right. So I think that I've covered most of the questions that I really wanted to ask you about BetPro. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about BetPro or should we move on? Um, no, that's about it. Okay, cool. I think we covered that pretty well. Uh, I do want to ask you just about the uh, how you see the future of DFS and or sports betting. Do you have any concerns about like DFS shrinking and then maybe no longer being a viable income source for like, a, you know, doing it professionally, that kind of thing as sports betting grows. Uh, do you think that sports betting is kind of the, the new wave or do you think, you know, there's maybe room for both? How, how do you kind of see the future of DFS and or sports betting going forward? Um, I, I do think that there's room for both. Uh, sports betting is definitely growing faster right now, probably. Um, DFS in particular, like it's, it's always been, evolving like even me personally like my first few years like uh nba was my bread and butter um you know and then after a while that it was mlb and now it's like more nfl um it, it all comes down to like being able to adapt right just because you uh have been able to historically let's say like be in the top five percent or one percent at a specific sport or contest type um it doesn't mean it's going to stay that way forever right people are going to probably learn what you're doing. And once enough people learn that, the edge is gone and you have to be able to, to stay one step ahead of the curve. So um, as long as you're able to do that um, and then keep finding new sources of edge, I think that, you know, there, there's always going to be a way to, to make money at DFS. Um, sports betting though, I, I think is a, is a really interesting opportunity because uh I don't know. For me, at least, it's like it's so new. It's been like uh, only a few years. It's been legal in my state. Also, uh, it almost feels like the beginning of DFS, right? Like there's so much I don't know, so much that uh, I can learn, uh, so many different ways, uh, things to experiment, ways to try beating the books. Uh, and uh, you know, I particularly like the feeling of uh, being able to just place a bet and and then that's it. You know, like you're done. You don't have to. Uh, sweat any late swaps or adjust for news like you just click in your your, your set yeah so I, I i did not realize that so uh sports betting has only been legal in illinois for about two years now so you're you're relatively new at sports betting yeah okay um and th that is actually one more question that i wanted to ask you about uh nba um nba Pro, uh, sorry, well, I'm forgetting blanket NBA bet pro. I was getting the, the pro backwards afraid. Okay. One more question I had about NBA bet pro. So have you been able to, have you had success using NBA bet pro in the sports betting? Are you aware of, you know, how, how other people have been doing with it? Like how, how is it working out so far? Yeah. Um, like I said, like, this isn't just like a tool that we put out. Like this is what we like being Alex, we see like, this is the, 
what our team actually uses internally to bet. Um, so I, I know that especially this season, um, we've, we've all had a good amount of success with it. Um, so like before BetPro, we had like our free NBA prop tool, which was around for like maybe a year before that. Um, I guess at the time, like sports betting wasn't growing as fast and uh, it was also free. So it wasn't something that we spent a ton of time refining. Um, and uh, But coming into the launch of BetPro this past October, like we all spent a bunch of time analyzing the data, refining all the projections and just getting everything um, to a point where we were personally comfortable with like putting out a paid product in this because um, there's, there's just so much out there where like, with, with, with like sports betting in particular, where like, um, I don't want to say like everyone, but there's a lot of people that just like put out predictions and tools that I don't necessarily think is uh, too valuable, whether or not it's intentional. Um, so we definitely made a pretty large effort to, to be able to um, all feel confident in it to, to personally use as well as put out as product. Yeah. So you're putting out, you're, you're trying to make a tool that uh, is, is giving people plus EV plus EV bets instead of just giving like, you know, picks of people that you like and stuff. Yeah. It's definitely an interest tool, but uh, so, so you, you're coming from a DFS background. I, I know that you have won, you know, hundred thousand dollars several times in DFS. I know that that is a lot harder to do in uh, sports betting, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like you're, you're not going to be able to put down bets that big very frequently, but are you still able to like, make a significant amount of money like tens of thousands of dollars in like a short period of time have you had any like you know really successful months where you're making tens of thousands of dollars or like significant money or is it more of a grind like you have to do it every day and you know hope to make uh significant money long term um yeah i mean i've had a couple like 100k bets that i won oh you um, have I, I did not yeah. realize you could even get bets down that, 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 that allow you uh, really to get down bets that big. So, so you have had some hundred K bets. That's uh, well, like, yeah, I mean, so you, you could, you could pretty much like, if you do like round robins, for example, or parlays, you can basically tailor the bet to the type of payout that you want. Um, you could do anything from a GPP to a cash game, a cash game, just being like a straight up, like minus minus one ten bet 50, 50 chance of winning. Right. Yep. Or you could do like a, you know, 16 parlay where it's more like a GPP. So um, th there's different approaches. Um, yeah, like not th th those two big wins I had were like, uh, like last year. I mean, I, I wasn't as like, I wasn't taking sports betting that seriously, to be honest. I was kind of just like, you know, throwing in some bets that I thought were probably good. Um, but, you know, we've been doing a lot more research recently on like actual, like the proper way to stake and the, appropriate strategies and all that. So uh, I haven't been taking as large risks recently, especially with just like the bankroll research that we've been doing. Um, it's it's actually like, um, it's interesting because like a lot of, and even my natural intuition was like, or everyone wants to just place like these like high, high payout bets, you know, that have a chance of winning a ton. But um, based on our like SEV, uh, it's like a, Based on like actual research, like you actually want to place a lot more bets on favorites when you can. Um, it just has a better chance of growing your bankroll in the long run as you compound the returns. So, uh, yeah, long story short, as time has gone on, I've gotten more conservative with my bet sizing. That's funny. So, so you actually you had success with the 
you know, large parlays where you're paying out, you know, a hundred thousand bucks plus. Uh, but even so you did more research and found maybe long-term, if you keep placing those kind of bets, it's going to be negative EV or at least not as positive EV as some of these smaller bets. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. I mean, it's really complicated actually, because it's like, while it may be more EV to go that conservative route, it's also like potentially easier for books to profile you as sharp when you bet that way. Yep. Whereas if you do place more like uh, parlays and stuff, um, you might be able to not get limited for longer. So, I mean, I don't know the exact right answer yet, but these are the things I'm like thinking about and trying to figure out myself. So you kind of have to balance those factors out a little bit uh, in, in deciding what bets to place. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right, let's get back to, to DFS just a little bit. Just talk a little bit of process slash strategy for DFS. Uh, which, which sport do you believe you have the biggest edge in and where does that edge come from? Um, like I said before, that's changed a lot throughout the years. Um, at, at this moment, I would say it's like mostly NFL showdown. Um, uh, part of that is because there's more inherent edge. Part of that is just because like that's what I decided to focus on recently. Um, I like the schedule a lot. It's like, at least like during the regular season, it was like Monday, Thursday, and Sunday. There, there was a big one. Kind of had a break in between, like there's no lace swap. Um, so uh, I particularly like the schedule for that. And also, um, I think I think there's a good amount of edge in particular because it's just like a hard sport. Um, for me, especially, like I was able to win immediately with NBA and MLB, like my first season or two but nfl i got crushed for like five years probably i didn't have a winning year until like three years ago in, in nfl um and then i think part of that is like you know having having the barrier to entry makes it easier to to gain edge and preserve it once you've figured it out um in particular it's like it's just a complicated sport because like things like um you know an nba if it's like you take a mean projection that's like pretty much most of what you need to know besides like ownership on their stuff. But then when it comes to NFL, it's like the mean projection is like a combination of like so many different scenarios that could happen based on the game script and correlations. And it just gets pretty complicated. Um, so, you know, the harder something is, I think the more potential edge there is. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, like NBA because there's so many different things going into a projection, so many different possessions, different plays go into the uh, into the projection. Whereas NFL, there's a lot more factors going into it. It's really e event based, a lot more event based than NBA. Like one touchdown is going to be, you know, for a lot of from the majority of players, it's going to be uh, most of their scoring. So definitely a, a different equation going into the projection. So you can't just use projections for NFL. You also have to factor in things like correlation. Is that kind of, uh, am I understanding that correctly? Um, somewhat. I think what you're describing is like just this, the, the base statistical variance of like the, the fancy points scored, like touchdowns accounting for a large percentage, uh, things like that. So yeah, inherently the results have higher variance, but uh, I was referring also to like the, the scenario-based variance where in NBA, for example, it's like you could have... Um, it's like blowout scenario. That's like the main thing that, that affects like the base, the rates at which things happen. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and in NBA, it's like maybe like a 10, 20% chance of there being a blowout, in which case the starter will not play like 20% of his minutes or something. Right. But then in NFL, it's like way, way bigger where it's like um, 
if a team is down by like a few touchdowns the second half, like the running back might never touch the ball again, you know, or right. he'll touch it like a couple times. And um, so like, basically like, yeah, the rates at which things happen change so much based on all the different ways that the game could, could, uh, could, could go. Whereas NBA is more like for the first three quarters, you kind of know what the projections are going to be, you know? Okay. So, so for NFL, you are, making lineups that factor in different game scenarios more so than NBA. Like you're factoring, like, uh, especially what we're, I mean, you're talking about NFL showdown being what you're best at. So you make your NFL showdown lineups kind of with different game scripts in mind. Is that, am I understanding that? Um, yeah, like not in my mind, but in code. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So the, the code has different game scripts in mind, which I guess, uh, that, that also, um, we, we've got our lineup generator, which also now, did, did you work on the lineup generator at all? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, in particular, like the, I don't know if it's live. It probably is. There's like a scenario, uh, selector it now. Is live. Yeah. Yeah. Where okay, it shows cool, like yeah. this team is going to go six points above this team's going to go six points under different yeah. scenarios. So that's just trying to capture a lot of the, um, kind of what I was describing to a slightly more simplistic level. Um, but yeah, especially for NFL showdown, it's so important to, uh, you know, to tell a story basically with your lineup. It's not just like, how can I maximize the projection and ownership, you know? Right. Okay. Uh, speaking of ownership projection, uh, how, how much does ownership play a role for you in creating lineups? Uh, and, you know, if it differs based on sport, you know, maybe differentiate them as well. Um, yeah. I mean, it depends on the sport and contest type you're playing for sure. Um, I think there's a, there's a relationship between like how how good people are at are making how good people are at making a projection for a given sport and how much the ownership matters. Um, so, for example, like in F one, um, I think DraftKings first released it like last year, and I made a model for it. Um, and like the first like two three weeks, I was pretty much like pretty sure that like a huge percentage of the field would have no idea like how to even make like optimal quote unquote lineups mm -hmm. disregarding ownership. So basically I just jammed like what I thought were like the best, like the lineups that are most likely to score the highest amount of points. And I didn't care about ownership because I figured people couldn't get to it anyways, or at least at like a high enough level to where, um, you know, you start having to branch out into like ownership analysis. So, um, but then, yeah, as a sport, like, as like the sport matures and people get better, you know, they have more source of projection sites pop up and, you know, more tools become available. Then you have to, you know, dig deeper into ownership and, and gain an edge that way. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. So it really depends on the sport and, and whether that's something you need to do. So it's similar to, you know, uh, so what we were saying about uh, F1, that's kind of similar to like NBA DFS in 2016 or like, you know, back when, when you were playing, you're just like, well, you know, I was just using projections and that was enough because the field was bad enough. Uh, would you agree that like when the field is worse, you don't have to worry as much about ownership? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of. So that's kind of one of those scenarios where, you know, as the field gets better, maybe once people are better at, you know, just picking out the optimal lineup, like the, the lineup that projects the best, then maybe you need to start factoring in uh, that kind of thing a little bit more. Um, what would you call yourself an exploitative DFS player in that you're like looking at try, trying to uh, capitalize on the field's mistakes? 
Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor, because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Uh, what, what do you mean by capitalizing the field mistakes? So like if you feel like a player is going over-owned, so like if you think that uh, LeBron has an optimal rate of 20%, like he's going to be in the optimal lineup 20% of the time, but you we have him projected to be owned by the field 28% of the time, then being exploitative, then I would want to play LeBron less than 20% of the time because I'm trying to maximize uh, exploitation of the field's mistake. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just not as familiar with the terminology, but um, I think it seems to me that, of course, it's important. Um, I don't know if I would call myself like an exploitative player. I just feel like that's just part of the game, right? Like there's you're not just trying to maximize your score. You're, you're in particular trying to optimize like how often you finish above, you know, a specific set of lineups created by the field. So, um, yeah, I would say you definitely have to consider that typically. Okay. Uh, and then uh, one more question. About it. So, so we talk about NFL showdown. So I would say NFL showdown is one of the contests where I focus more on avoiding having my lineups duplicated by the field It is avoiding being duplicated by any other, by other players, uh, a big part of your strategy in any sport or type of contest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, NFL showdown for sure. I mean, it's not that different from saying ownership. Right. Um, however, uh, I think that the main difference is that, uh, you, I mean, there's two different types of ownership, right? Like player level and then like lineup level, which I think for showdown lineup level is more relevant because, you know, that's basically just saying dupes. Um, Cause essentially like, especially for the larger fields, it's like you basically just need to finish first because if you don't, there's going to be like hundred person train out of you. And it's like, you don't even need to consider anything else. So, so it basically just comes down to uh, optimizing for how often that you can finish first and then considering like what your payout would be given your projection of how many dupes there are. So, um, but yeah, it's just a little bit different, you know, it's definitely want to think about it more from like a, a combination or a lineup level ownership for, for certain sports. Right. Yeah. So it's like for, you know, for NFL showdown being a great example, like the equation isn't just how likely is this lineup to win? It's a multiple point uh, equation where it's how likely is this lineup to win? And also, how many, how, what, what's the payout going to be if it does win essentially. And that, that comes down to how duplicated it is. Am I, is that uh, kind of what you're saying as well? Yeah, essentially. Um, I mean, the, the math is not that hard for it. I mean, it's just like a, I mean, it's not linear. It's like, like being unique has like the largest uh, benefit, but then like getting duped from like 50 to 51 times, that means nothing. Right. So it's just keeping that in mind and uh, also like the contest size as well. So um, you know, there's definitely some factors that go into it. Right. Of course. Um, okay. Yeah. I was interested here since you are, uh, I know you're a great NFL showdown player and that's of course, one of my favorite sports to play as well. So I just wanted to get into that just a little bit, what your thought process is in terms of, uh, duplication and, and, uh, and ownership for different players, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I think that I, I shoot for the same kind of thing. Like for me, when I'm playing NFL showdown, I'm a lot more concerned with the ownership at the lineup level than the player level. So that's uh, 
sounds like we're kind of similar in some ways. Um, I also want to talk to you just a little bit about live finals because I was just looking through your results earlier and you have been to, or at least you've won seats to a ton of different live finals across many different sports on both DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, so, so what attracts you to live final qualifiers? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess like when I first started going to them, um, I didn't put much thought into it at all. I was just like, all right, it's cool. I can win a trip or something. Like, let me just try and, um, you know, and then, uh, but now at this point, it's like, I definitely, uh, I value going to them just because like throughout the years I've met so many like, like-minded people, so many cool people, you know, like, um, Alex, all these other pros, like it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like a small world and, you know, I definitely enjoy kind of, uh, you know, you would go crazy if you just like did DFS by yourself every day, you know, it's such like a mentally taxing, uh, you know, uh, activity, I guess. So I think, um, you know, I definitely just enjoy the time to, you know, not necessarily even talk about like DFS, but just like hang out with people that kind of have the same sort of experiences as you, like the same sort of, uh, lifestyle, so to speak. So, um, you know, I definitely enjoy those opportunities a lot. Absolutely. And, and you got a job out of it. I mean, not, not all people can say that, you know, they, they met their, uh, future, you know, the team that they work for through, uh, doing, doing live finals. So that's an added bonus for you. And I think that's happened for a few people. I think Steve also maybe met, I guess, uh, Alex, Alex and Tom met at a live final, I believe. So I guess in some ways, you know, even if you're not planning on it, it ends up being kind of a networking thing because you meet like-minded people who, you know, have similar interests and it makes sense to kind of network that way as well. Yeah. Um, no, it's definitely more of a networking thing at this point. Like, at least in my opinion, it's like, it's not like that plus EV unless you're like, you know, Yoda cow, of course. Right. Yeah. Um, you win all of them. You know, you're, you're not trying to like, if someone offered you to enter like 50,000 to a contest with like, you know, 50 of the, the best players in the world, you'd be like, no. Right. You know, like, so yeah. Right. Uh, and, and so how about this? When you get into a qualifier, like say you've got into the, uh, I guess you're not playing NBA, the, the NFL uh, qualifier for DraftKings, do you always try to go for multiple tickets to the qualifier? Or do you sometimes decide like, well, I've got one, I've already got the trip. I don't need any more. What's your, uh, how do you approach that? Do you try to get multiple tickets to the same qualifier or are you sometimes just like satisfied with one ticket to an event? Um, I used to like try to max out, but these days, like I just go for one um, just for the trip. And then I guess, as you said, if it's a networking thing and it's not plus EV, then it makes more sense to just go for one. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's actually even like extremely like more minus EV to even go to the event. Cause it's like, you're going to end up drinking and like hanging out and like not, you don't have your computer with you. Like, yep. um, I even got like at this football one, like I tried to log in my DraftKings account and like, I got locked out cause they were like, <laughs> you're spoofing like why are you here to like we see you in chicago or something you know and it's like um and then of course like chipotle addict ended up winning and he was he stayed at home you know you know like grinding out his regular process while everyone else is out drinking so you know but you know so for me it's mostly just like a fun thing to do i'm not like you know trying to, to profit from it necessarily so you recognize that it's negative ev but you go to the events anyway yeah more yeah, or less. 
I mean, it's not that negative EV. I mean, hopefully, I guess some, some sports, maybe more so than others, if you're having to like react to late news, that kind of stuff, maybe it's uh, more negative EV than if you kind of can set your lineup ahead of time. I would imagine it's not quite as negative EV, but uh, yeah, it seems like a lot. There is, there's a mix of, you know, some of the top pros, I think go to all of them. And then it seems uh, to me, the, the ones that I've been to sometimes like Chipotle addict, I think, uh, there are one of the Chipotle bros has made both of the live finals that I've been to and they didn't go to either of them. So, uh, yeah, definitely a different approach there. Uh, so you've been to live finals for both DraftKings and FanDuel who throws the better live final. Um, I actually feel like I barely play FanDuel. Um, I've maybe only been to like one of their finals. I've been like a ton of DK ones. So, I mean, I got to go with DK here. Okay. I'm seeing 2018 FanDuel world fantasy baseball championship, uh, another basketball championship, 2018. So yeah, it doesn't seem like you've been doing uh FanDuel as much, but yeah, DraftKings definitely knows how to throw a great party. Um, all right. So we're, we're going to close out. Uh, can you just tell me about your favorite DFS or sports betting win or win celebration? And if you have multiple, feel free to, to share multiple. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, I don't really like celebrate wins that much. Um, it's just like part of the job for me um, in the same way that like, I don't like go drink and cry in a corner when I lose. Right. Like part of it is just basically like being able to stay mentally um, not affected by, you know, swings essentially. And, you know, it sounds cliche, but just kind of like sticking with the process more than the results. So basically as like the years have gone on, it's kind of just like a, you know, uh, a way of, uh, I guess, like training your mind to be more numb to everything uh, results wise and just focus on doing what you can to learn more and uh, be confident in, what in, in the process itself. Okay. So you don't have, uh, you don't celebrate. Are you telling me that you don't have a favorite win for, uh, for DFS or sports betting? Like you don't have like one that stands out in your mind as a particularly fun win, even if you weren't celebrating, just like by yourself, like you, you really uh, appreciated it. Um, <laughs> okay. Maybe there was one, this was like, maybe like three months after I first started playing. And like I said, I knew nothing about bankroll management. I wasn't obviously, I had never even thought I would be doing this as a full-time job. I was just kind of messing around and trying to do the best I could. And, uh, I think like I, like I said, I initially, I, I ran up 600 or 5,000, but then I had like a, a losing streak. I went back down to like a thousand or something. And at that point I was like, man, screw this. Like I'm going to enter in like a thousand dollar head to head for my, the, the last of my bankroll. If I lose this, I'm going to quit. Um, and then, uh, yeah, luckily I won that. So I think maybe at the time I didn't appreciate it, but now looking back, like I definitely, um, you know, that was definitely my luckiest, most plus EV win of all yeah. time. So, yeah, that is, that is nuts. That's gotta be, uh, the most important head to head win uh, of all time, probably, because if you had quit DFS, I mean, that would just change your whole story. It would probably, it would affect a lot of other people as well, because you've been crushing at DFS and, and maybe uh, hurting other people's bankrolls as a result. So uh, definitely lucky for you that you, that you won that head to head. Do you, do you really think that if you had lost that head to head, you would have never played DFS again? That's, that's what I told myself at the time. All right. Um, I wasn't, you know, sure that this was something that, like 
I could have edge in long-term at the time, right? Like I just was right, so right. new to it. I was just like, you know, like when you first try something, it's not like, um, you know, I wasn't like super attached to it. You know, it was like two, three months in. So, um, you know, at least I don't think I would have continued. Who knows? Like if it got bigger, I might've tried again or something, but um, in my mind, that was definitely just a stopping point for me. Okay. I, I asked because for me, like I tell myself that kind of thing all the time, or, you know, I used to more so. And I feel like I would always, you know, maybe, maybe say, okay, I'm going to be done after this. And then a month later, kind of get that itch again and maybe, maybe start playing, you know, dip my toes back in. So maybe not as final, but of course, depends on your personality type, uh, your, your willpower, I guess. So maybe for you, it would have actually stuck. Um, Sean, th- thanks a lot for coming on high stakes episode 31. Uh, where, where can people find you? Um, yeah, I guess on Twitter, if you want to. At Sean's on. Uh, are you are you in the discords at all? Anything like that? Uh, yeah, sometimes I discuss the discord, but I don't really check it too often. Okay, well, you can find him on Twitter at Sean's on. You can also find him at the top of leaderboards for MLB, uh, NFL, and uh, I guess no no longer, at least for the time being, no longer NBA. But uh, I also noticed MMA, you, you are uh, in, uh, 16th on the rg mma leaderboard uh so you know keep it keep it on top on many of these sports i actually one one more question how do you feel about late swap uh being removed from mma on DraftKings? um so i haven't been playing mma for the last few months like i actually got started um it was like during alex's wedding and he like needed someone to cover mma for him so i was like all right let me give this a shot and i like i won a tournament on my very first time and then i was kind of just doing it for a few months um mostly over the summer but then um once like nfl season started again like i kind of uh, taken a break from that um i would say like any sport in general though like i don't like late swap maybe okay. it's just i'm getting old like when i was younger i was like yeah keep the late swap let me like gain all this edge over everyone that's like uh that has friends you know and it's like going out on friday nights like you know let me just like take all their money but now it's just like, yeah, like too much work to have to manage that too many hours put in. And, um, yeah, I'm not a fan. Nice. And yeah, I guess that's why you stopped playing NBA and, but now you can jump back into, uh, to MMA because they have no more late swap there again. So you can just get it done, move on with your day, not have to worry about it. Uh, get back to, you know, doing what you want to do with your, with your day. So yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of the removal of late swap. Uh, so glad to hear we're on the same page. Anyway, thank, thanks again to Sean Zahn for joining me on high stakes episode 31. Thanks to Mike Lawrence for producing as always. And thank you for watching. You'll be able to find episode 32 of high stakes two weeks from today on Friday afternoon. So uh, keep your head up looking for it. You'll be able to find it on the stochastic YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for watching. Good luck this weekend. All right. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Sean. truck season and with the chevy silverado there's no such thing as an uphill battle with the chevy silverado you can take on the mountains or you can move them 
because with impressive coin capability, an available 13.4-inch diagonal touchscreen, and a choice of powerful engines to pick from, whatever your mountain, there's a Silverado with the capability you need. Click to learn more. Find new roads at your local Chevy dealer. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.